0: What's up, y'all? It's JLP, the host of Mastering Single Podcast, coming to you with this brand new episode. Hope you had a wonderful week, and I pray that your Friday evening is going well. Um, I just want to go ahead and share this episode with you that I believe will um, truly be interesting to you. And um, I also want to go ahead and invite you to tune in to uh, Brother Loser Bonnet's um, YouTube channel. I'll be the guest preacher on uh, the broadcast tomorrow night at 915 eastern time and so today's episode is titled how do you know you are saved and um for tomorrow night if you tune in again to Brother Luger Banat's YouTube channel, um, I'll be preaching a message that kind of correlates with this. Um, but I'll go more in depth in regards to what it is that we need um, to make sure that we are saved. But without further ado, I want to focus our attention on tonight's episode. Again, the title of tonight's episode is How Do You Know You Are Saved? And this episode is, is going to be very brief, but I believe that it's going to be packed um, with some biblical truth that could truly give you an idea of what it means you know to be saved or how do you know um, that you are saved and um, one of the verses that i really want us to pay attention to it comes from psalm 139 and um, i just want you guys to go ahead and open your bible pages or your virtual bible to psalm 139 verse 23 to 24 and um, this is david speaking and he's just speaking to the lord and he's being very transparent and authentic to god and he says Starting in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Um, I'm going to read this again. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. You know, um, recently I was talking to one of my... um, younger sisters, um, my little sister, and I was explaining to her that, you know, it's very important um, for us to really observe when we feel convicted in our hearts, and the reason being is that conviction is actually a gift, and oftentimes, you know, we ask people, um, You know, I'd say, like, people in the world, you know, those who perhaps are not a believer, um, if they feel conviction, any type of form of conviction, it feels to them as guilt. And even to us, too, sometimes as believers, it feels to us as guilt. And often people don't want to feel guilty because once you feel guilty, it seems like it's taking you to that path of shame. And once you feel shameful, it's like, you know, it's the end of the world, and you don't feel like there's any... uh, there's any hope for you either you don't feel like there's any hope for you or you feel kind of like you're so dirty and unclean that even if you were to change your life to the right direction or to pursue what is right right what is righteous you feel like it's not going to make any difference Um, but however when it comes to conviction it is a gift it is truly important when you are convicted and in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, David, he mastered that truth. He knew and understood that when he feel, even if he doesn't feel that conviction, but he understood that he wants to make sure that his heart is just clean and pure before God because he understood that we as human beings, we are finite, meaning that, you know, to us, we might have done something and to us, it might have not been a big deal, but to God, it is a big deal. And to someone else, it probably is a big deal, right? You know, Paul um, said in one of his episodes, he said, you uh, you know, something that you do, whether it's something you eat or something you said, it may not be sinful to you, but it may be sinful to your brother or sister. What does that mean? He was talking about, you know, if you do a certain act, It may not be sinful to you, but it may appear as sin to a brother or sister or may in fact causes that brother or sister to sin. And so from that being said, it's best to not practice or do whatever it is that seems like a stumbling block for that brother or sister um, to cause them to again to sin and so forth. And so again, David really understood that, you know, being a believer and being a child of God, he knew that. You know, God is holy and God is pure. And because God is holy, God is pure, he understood that he had to model after God. You know, he understood that he had to also be pure and holy before the Lord. Because if in fact he is not, he knows that it's not going to go well with him. And also from his past experiences, he realized what happened when he was not in right standing with God, when he was not practicing holiness and purity, when he was not being obedient to the Lord. And so one of the ways you know that you are saved is, in fact, when you feel conviction in your heart, is, in fact, when you really go ahead and do that analysis with God um, in your quiet time. And you go before God and you say, you know, God search my heart. So, you know, sometimes we may do prayers of confession, right? And repentance. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, we are fine at being. And sometimes what we think is right is not really right in the eyes of God. And so after we do prayers of repentance and after we've confessed our sins, I believe the next step we should do is like David did and say to God, Search me, O Lord. Search me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And I believe when we do that, we put ourselves in a position to understand that our life is not our own. Our life belongs to God. And honestly, I believe God honors that, honors that action. And it shows that we have a reverence and holy fear to the Lord. And you could definitely know that you are saved when you have that right uh, um, heart posture before God. You know, someone who is not saved, trust me, they don't have any business to come to the Father and say, search my heart. As a matter of fact, they're going to be just so Um, consumed um, by the flesh or consumed by uh, worldly things that they won't even have any time to sit before the Lord and say okay search me you know often people what happen is that when they are living to please themselves um, if they're so deep in sin or if they're so deep in um, idolatry or whatever it is that is against God and his word Uh, It's often God in his mercy that perhaps will arrest that individual and um, give them that like that type of Damascus experience that Paul had and stop them in their track. Amen. So often, you know, people don't just really go ahead and say, "Okay, God, search me if they're already out there and, and doing their own thing. But. Um, God in his mercy he's always able to arrest again arresters arrest them in their track and and just you know show them compassion and mercy in that way but however for those of us who are already believers those of us who have already given Jesus Christ our lives we have that responsibility to not wait upon God to discipline us to not wait upon God to catch us in our sins and then say you know God forgive me and search me but we could do this as a discipline every single day and making sure that we are in right standing with God because at the end of the day y'all you know life is very unpredictable unpredictable and none of us know um whether we have tomorrow to live now i'm not saying that at all for us to be discouraged or um to 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 make anyone panic but it's it's really the truth and so we have to really live each day as the, as if our days are numbered because uh, our days in fact are numbered according to the word of god from that being said Going back to the title of this episode, How Do You Know You Are Saved? I want us to go ahead and uh, open our Bible pages to Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. Revelation chapter 2, verse 45. And this is Jesus speaking, and he is speaking um, to the church of Ephesus. And um, this is very powerful, Uh, (laughs) y'all. That entire chapter and also the following chapters after that are very powerful chapters. And I believe, especially during this time, um, if you are a believer, you really need to go ahead and study uh, um, the book of Revelation, especially um, the beginning of the book of Revelation when um, the letters to the churches are introduced. And so Revelation chapter two, verse four to five, it says, y'all, it says, but I have this against you. This is again, Jesus speaking to the Ephesus church. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, y'all, okay. It, all right. This is, this is a powerful, powerful um, passage right there in Revelation chapter 2. And one of the things I want to go ahead and point to your attention is this. So the Lord Jesus, right? Jesus, before he goes ahead and, uh, criticize them and give them like that, you know, that, that real, real, what he goes ahead and does, he tells them, he tells them, you know, what they were doing. He told them, you know, in fact, uh, give me one quick moment, y'all. Uh, let me just go ahead and go back to verses one, uh, One to three. I'm gonna go ahead and read verses one to three, and we're gonna go back and discuss verse four to five, Um, because I believe if we go ahead and read verse one to three, you will definitely see why is it that um, this part of the passage, verses four to five, is so powerful. Um, Verse one to three, Revelation two, verse one to three. It says, "These are the words of him who holds the seven stars." And his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. This is Jesus speaking. Pay attention to verse 2, y'all. Let's read to verse 2 now. Jesus says, I know your deeds. You, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested. Those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name's sake and have not grown weary. All right, pause. So that was verses one to three. So from verse one to three, Jesus, go ahead and tells them, yo, I know you did uh, your best. I've seen you working. I've seen you um, been doing the good work for my kingdom. Uh, I see you've been persevering. I see that you did not tolerate those who are hypocritical in their ways. Um, You know, I see you don't tolerate wicked people. And you also have tested those who have claimed to be apostles and whatnot. And so he goes ahead and start just giving them uh, the good good. He goes ahead and give them compliments, you know, tells them the good things that they have been doing before he goes ahead and criticize um, what they've been lacking. And that's some powerful stuff right there. Um, Because when we go ahead and read verses four to five, you see that he says, starting in verse four, but I have this against you. So he goes ahead and compliment them from verse 1 to 3. And he goes ahead and say this remark, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So literally, almost as if Jesus is kind of downplaying the compliments he even gave uh, the Ephesus church, in a way. It seems like what he said prior in verse 1 to 3, it doesn't really have that same level of value of what he says right here in verse 4. And again, he says, but this I have against you, that you have left your first love. And then on to verse 5, he even kind of like said it severely by saying, you know, uh, you need to repent and go back to what it is that you were doing at first. What it is um, they were doing at first. What does Jesus mean by that? Jesus meaning the way that they were consecrating themselves to the Lord at first, the way that they were pursuing him, the way that they were pursuing, spending time giving God worship, uh, giving God glory, giving God thanksgiving and so forth. And Jesus continues on to verse um, five, the latter portion of verse five. He says, and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So literally he's giving them a warning. He's saying, yo, if you don't go back to really pursuing me, with childlike faith if you don't go back and to really have a deep intimacy with me the way that you had one when you first became a believer when you were able to see truly that i am uh, the way the truth and the life then i'm gonna remove um your lampstand and when it comes to lampstand you may um, remember that that parable i believe in the book of matthew when it was describing to us basically from that parable right um with the versions that had the lampstand there was five versions that had lamps that had oil and then the other five they ran out of oil in their lampstand and we knew from that parable it was actually showing us a, a foresight of what it would be in this time concerning even the churches right the the body of christ we know that in this time that there are certain people who claim to be christians who claim to be believers there will be severe testing in a way where um they probably thought that they were saved but they weren't saved because what Because why? Because they were actually preoccupied doing things of this world. They were actually preoccupied um, just minding their business and not really focusing on the kingdom business, which is really serving God and and building up his kingdom on the earth. And so when that time came uh, for their uh, for the bridegroom to come, which is representing uh, Jesus Christ, that is symbolic of Jesus Christ, when it was time for Jesus to come, they were like, oh, my goodness. We don't have any more oil, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it is the same. It is the same way as well. Um, in verse five, when Jesus says, "I will remove your lampstand," so pretty much Jesus is saying, "Look, I am going to remove your lampstand unless you repent." Meaning, if you don't go ahead and really pursue me the way that you were pursuing me at first, I may in fact go ahead and remove your lampstand and completely forget about the good that you were doing. Because look, y'all, like in verse 1 to 3, he was literally complimenting them. And all of a sudden, in verse 5, he goes ahead and gives them a strong warning. And he's now saying that he's going to remove their lampstand. Wow. He's going to remove their lampstand. And if you continue on to verses 6, he literally even said, he literally even said, let's go ahead and read it. Because I don't want to paraphrase. Let's go ahead and read it. All right. So. Verse six, he says, but you have this in your favor. You, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then verse seven, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And what I want us to really pay attention to when it comes to verse six to seven is saying it's really Jesus um, saying If indeed he goes ahead and remove that lampstand, right, from that church group, that literally means that there's a likely chance that they're not going to be able to receive uh, the fruit from the tree of life. And where is the tree of life that he says is located? Where is it located? It's located in paradise. So if they don't have access to the tree of life, that means they did not make it as well to paradise, and what is so, so important um, when it comes to that passage and when it comes to uh, the title of tonight's episode, How Do, you know, How Do You Know You Are Saved, is literally telling us, listen, God wants you to make sure that you are putting him as top priority in your life, that you are not just merely doing works, meaning you're not just merely going to church. You're not just merely saying that you believe in God, but you're literally making sure that you are cultivating your relationship with God. You're really spending time with God sincerely. You're literally doing what David again did in some, uh, 139 verse 23 to 24 you're literally having conversation with God seeing God as your therapist all right we know that therapy is big nowadays and there's nothing wrong with therapy but literally God should be your top therapist you know to be open before God and to open up yourself to him and say Lord is there something in me that is not pleasing to you remove it God wants us to put ourselves in that position where we desire to please him more than we desire to please our flesh. We desire to please him more than we have that tendency to say yes to sin or to say yes to what it is that people in the world are saying. We have more of a greater desire to live a life that glorifies him than to live a life that actually glorifies ourselves. And truly, when you come into that position within your mind and heart, then sincerely you will know that that you are saved y'all you will know that you are saved because you know at the end of the day you spend more of your time energy with your creator you spend more of your time and energy with your creator more than anything else more than anything else more than anything else we don't want God you know we don't want Jesus to look at us in our faces and say you know you said, you know, like, you know, when we approach him, we don't want to be like the people who said, well, Lord, Lord, I said this in your name. You know, I fed the homeless in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I gave prophecies in your name. Uh, I evangelized in your name, etc., etc." et, cetera, et cetera. We don't want Jesus to then go and say to our faces, get away from me or depart from me. I never knew you. And one of the reasons, again, why Jesus goes ahead and said, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not to say that these people within themselves, they were evil, meaning that uh, they were doing things of the world. Because literally, they said that they did all these things in the name of God. So that means they weren't atheists. That means they weren't um, people who believed in other gods. They weren't people who believed in crystals and new age and all that stuff. They were literally people who knew God. They were literally people who believed in Yahweh. Right. There were people who really believe in the son of God. But for some strange reason, there was a period of time where they started to do mostly the work. Right. They started mostly doing the work of church or the work of ministry. They started to really pursue even things of the world in the the sense that they started to pursue money, making money more than actually spending time with the Lord and hit the secret place and quietness and really meditating on his word day and night. You will see that in the previous episode, I encourage you all to meditate on God's word day and night, you know, and that is another way we could make sure that we are saved because we always keep the word before us. We always keep the word before us. And so I want to go ahead and just encourage you before I close this episode, uh, make sure that you are not putting God in the back burner, meaning make sure that you are making the 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 strives right you're making the steps to spend more time with God and sometimes that's going to require sacrifices meaning for example if you have a busy schedule if you work almost you know the entire day perhaps you're going to have to wake up an hour earlier or go to sleep an hour later just so that you can spend some time in God's word just so that you could pray more than usual unto the Lord Maybe you're going to have to fast, maybe once a week or maybe once a month. But you seriously have to make sure that you're keeping your relationship with God top priority and you're making sure that you're you're following the disciplines, right? You're practicing the disciplines that will literally make you maintain the relationship that you have with God. And I honestly believe, y'all, when we do that sincerely and also with the grace of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can be confident to know that we are safe. We can be confident if we are doing something that is wrong, even within our own conscience or maybe within our own logic, we may not feel like it's wrong, but we know that the conviction will be there. And we know that we can say, amen, thank you, God, that the conviction is there. So that way I know I can go ahead and uh, repent and confess of it. And um, I really want to encourage all of you guys to dig deeper and um, to know that, At the end of the day, it's not enough for us to say that we believe in God, but we have to really make sure that we live a life that shows that indeed, you know, we believe in God and that we love God. And um, before I go ahead and close um, to just really tie that in, um, to just really give you a better view of what I mean, that we have to literally live a life that shows that we love God and believe in God. um, I want you to go ahead and open your Bible pages to. Uh, Give me one second here. I believe this is in the book of Matthew. Matthew verse 23. Getting my Bible page here. My Bible turned to Matthew 23. Excuse me, y'all. It's actually Matthew 24 verse 12. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Let's go ahead and actually read until verse 14. so open your bible pages to matthew 24 verse 12 to 14 and it says y'all it says because lawlessness is increased most people's love will grow cold but the one who endures go ahead and highlight that endures to the end he will be saved this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come Okay, so I want us to really pay close attention to verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read it one more time because, again, I want you to pay close attention to it. It says, Because lawlessness is increased, most people people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Why is this important for us to really pay attention to? What does it mean, again, by lawlessness is increasing? Lawlessness, it means like everything that goes against to the word of God, to the will of God, to the law of God. For example... When you see in society now, is telling you that you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Because doing and being whatever you want, it, it produces freedom. It gives you freedom. It gives you a sense of, of peace. It gives you a sense of fulfillment. But when you go back to the will of God, the will of God is for us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. The will of God is for us to follow the ways of God. And the ways of God is always contradictory to the ways of the world. And that is why even the Bible tells us to to not be um, conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of of our mind as we continue to meditate on God's word. Right. And we continue to just, yeah, to meditate on God's word. And as we meditate on God's word, that we take action to live out God's word. And so what is lawlessness and how has it been increasing? We know lawlessness has been increasing throughout different channels. One of the channels is social media. Another one, perhaps, maybe entertainment. Another one, perhaps, maybe is the media. Another one, perhaps, um, maybe is regulation and policies that, again, go ahead and, um, and pushes an agenda that is, again, contradictory to the word of God, to the will of God. And so Jesus being the son of god being equally to god he already foreknew what would happen what would um, happen in our time that would cause us almost to lose our salvation that would cause us to become lazy to um procrastinate that would cause us actually to spend less and less and less time with him for example He knows that when we go ahead and we spend more time doing anything else than to actually spend time in his presence, that that very thing that we're doing, whether it's going on social media and we're going on social media more than we're actually opening our Bible pages to read, he knows that that attention that we give to social media or whatever it is that we intake from social media will cause our hearts to grow cold. How does our heart grow cold? Our hearts can grow cold in many ways. Our hearts can grow cold because we end up comparing our lives with other people our hearts can grow cold because uh again what we are seeing um right in social media is causing us to compare and as we compare what does it cause it causes us to be jealous of others it causes us to envy what it is uh, that they have it causes us to covet what they have it causes us to even uh be unforgiving towards others um Again, when it comes to media, meaning like whatever it is that we're seeing in the news, um, because we have differing views on politics or on religions or on abortion, etc. Because we keep feeding onto that, what does it do? It causes us to have disagreement. And it's nothing wrong to have disagreement. But sometimes these type of disagreements increase so much that, again, it causes our hearts to grow cold, as the Bible is saying right now. It causes us uh, to have a cold heart and it causes our love to not be towards what God wants for us, but it causes our love to be towards what it is we want for ourselves, what it is as well that uh, we see that the world is trying to um, create, right, in society, um, what the world is trying to convey uh, to us or try to um, bring forth in, in, in this new generation um, without even asking the generation if they want it or not so it's some it's like a type of agenda that's being pushed um to us whether we like it or not because again it seems like the time is changing because the time is changing we should change with it but y'all at the end of the day It says again in verse 13, it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. What does it mean by the one who endures to the end? Pretty much it's saying, you know, the one who continues to keep the word of God until the end. Despite the distraction, despite what it is you see on TV, despite what it is that you see on social media, despite what it is that the government or whatnot is saying is right. But you know sincerely it's wrong if you, you know, you align it to the word of God, you compare it to the word of God, you see indeed it's completely contradicting God's word. So you know it's wrong. And because you know it's wrong, you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to follow this. I'm going to stand true to God's word. I'm going to stand true to God's truth. And I'm going to live out God's truth. And that's where uh, you see the, the scripture here. It says those, okay, the one who endures to the end, meaning the one who refuses to sell out, the one who refuses to compromise. And truly, that's how you know you are saved is when you have made that commitment and you say to yourself, listen, even if every single person on this earth is going to follow everything that contradicts the word of God, I am not going to be among them. I'd rather be the only person that continues to follow Jesus and do what, it, what he says in his word, right? Instead of actually saying, you know what? You know, the times are changing, so let me go ahead and advance with the time. Let me go ahead and advance with society. Because if I don't advance, then I'm going to lose profit. I'm going to lose uh, my uh, reputation. I'm going to lose my following, etc. Amen. And so here it says, but the one who endorsed it and he will be saved. Because honestly, y'all, whatever we put our time and attention to the most is what's going to actually become our God. And if that very thing actually becomes our God, then we have completely turned our backs from the God, which is Yahweh, right? Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. So in a way, it is possible for you to lose your salvation. I know there's a lot of people that says you cannot lose your salvation, right? But... Even when it comes for example I know i'm I'm backtracking here i'm I'm going completely to a different angle, but I believe this will make sense to you as you listen to what it is um, that I'm about to share um even when it comes to the case of Ju- Judas right um Judas Iscariot Again, he was among the 12. Like, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus perform miracles, and he was actually with them too, right? When they were modeling after what Jesus was doing. Like, I, again, I, I believe Judas uh, was among them when they were casting devils out of people, when they were healing people, etc. Because the word, especially in the book of Marks, um, he actually had sent the disciples out to do what it is that he was doing right the disciples were given authority by jesus and the bible never said okay oh jesus gave the authority to peter james and john but he omitted that authority um and he didn't give it to judas it did not say that so we can assume because it was kept uh you know because it was kept anonymous like it wasn't specific Uh, To saying the names of the disciples that he gave the authority to, we can assume that he gave the authority to do those very things to all 12 of the disciples. And remember, one of the 12 was Judas Iscariot. But what happens? We see that he became cold in his heart. His heart turned cold. How did his heart turn cold? He began to have a greater desire for money than for Jesus. Judas Iscariot didn't hate Jesus from the the beginning. Like, he didn't dislike Jesus from the beginning. But we did notice notice the more that he became uh, um, interested in money and how to accumulate money and how much money he could accumulate, you know, he began to have greed. His heart was full with greed now. And now his main priority was how to make money, how to get money. And, And sadly, sometimes that's the case for us. If we're not careful, we're going to start wanting to know how can we reach six figure, then how can we reach seven figure, and how can we, you know what I'm saying? And So that is why Jesus, even in Revelation chapter two, he said, look, yo, listen, I know you're doing some good stuff. I know you've been persevering and doing some good work, but if you don't pay attention, uh, you're going to notice that you're going to just leave me. Meaning you're not going to remember your first love, which is me. Yes, you're remembering to, uh, uh feed the sick and you remember you're remembering to give your tithe and stuff like that but when was the last time you checked in and checked in with me when was the last time you talked to me yeah i understand you want to make sure that you're the best version of yourself so you're going ahead and doing the self-care you're going ahead and um scheduling that therapy that therapy session but when was the last time that you confided in me when was the last time that you you spill it all out to me your problems your cares and your worries and so that's what happened to Judas Iscariot. He became more occupied about uh, the things of the flesh. Meaning he became more occupied about money, right? And the in the desire for rich richness according to the world, right? The desire for status and all that. That he completely forgot about, about Jesus. That he became less and less interested with Jesus Christ. And so my prayer is that me and you, especially during this time, that we would not become less and less interested in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that you know Jesus would not become old news to us but that he would always remain good news that he would always remain good news to us not only good news but he would always be new in the sense that we would always want to know more and more about him more and more about the things of God So that we can go from glory to glory because of the things that he reveals to us, the more that we seek after him. And the Bible tells us when we seek after him, he is so faithful to reward us. I mean, I love to just seek after God for who he is, but you're going to tell me that God is so good that because I'm seeking him, he's just going to freely reward me just because he's so well pleased when we seek after him. Y'all, we serve a good God. I'm going to end with this. And so I pray and hope that you were encouraged but yet also challenged by this episode. And I myself, I'm challenging myself more and more uh, to make sure that I continue to make that quality time, make that sacrifice to spend with God like never before, y'all. Because listen, y'all. Whether we like to admit it or not, we live it in the last days. And honestly, Jesus could come at any moment. And so it's so important for us to make sure that we we do the practice uh, of David. You know, we say to God, you know, search me, you know, search me, search me, cleanse me, oh God, make a pure and clean heart um, and me. And so thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with your loved ones. And, um, I would love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave us a review on Apple podcast and a rating. And, um, please go ahead and subscribe to JLP network. If you haven't done so yet, I'm looking forward to release new episodes on there, new videos. Um, thank you for your patience, but they're coming y'all. So please go ahead and subscribe. Like I said, uh, I may not announce when, um, the videos will drop. So if you're subscribed, you'll be the first to know because you will be notified. And so, yeah. And so thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you have a blessed week weekend and remember y'all all things are possible with Christ Jesus until next time. This was JLP peace out.